Good morning, North Boulevard. Thank you for coming at all of our campuses. Glad you're here. I'm going to jump right in with um, what I consider to be a really cool story. So Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, Solomon advises us that one person can give freely and then get even more. And another person can be stingy and eventually come to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So it's the story of Robert Wycliffe Comer. He was born in rural Kentucky, in fact, so rural that I don't have any idea where he was born. There was no town. The year was 1861, so the Civil War had just broke out. There was a lot of poverty in the South, particularly in a state like Kentucky. He found a job selling goods to stores on the Upper Cumberland Plateau where there were very few people. It was a hard scrabble life. But eventually, within about 25 years or so, he had moved to Nashville. He came to Nashville in the late 1800s. And when he got here, he bought a sewing machine and began to stitch together clothes, which he then sold. He became pretty good at it. So soon he hired someone else to help him. And eventually, Comer would establish what was called as the Washington Corporation. Those of you who are really old might remember DC clothing. That was our man, Robert Wycliffe Comer. Before they went out of business in the 1980s, they had 20,000 employees and were doing a quarter of a billion dollars worth of business. And they were one of the largest privately held corporations in America. Now, here's what you may not know. He was a Christian and a member of the church. And he remained a very simple man. You can go online and read his obituary, not only that, but some of the eulogies that were offered at his funeral. And they all remark about how modest he lived, how generous he was, and how he hated prideful, but, but prideful attitudes and was really opposed to pride and just wanted to live his life as a simple, honest, decent man. What you may not know is he gave away so much money, it's remarkable. So when he came to Nashville, he quickly became an elder at the Russell Street Church of Christ. And from there, he earned a spot on the board of Lipscomb University. So on Lipscomb University's board, he helped Lipscomb transition from the Nashville School of Bible, which was kind of a small uh, preacher training program, to a full-fledged university. Um, in 1911, as an elder of this church, he looked across Nashville and he decided we need to plant another church on the other side of Nashville. So he purchased the property, there was a building already on it, the Chapel Avenue Church, and planted the Chapel Avenue Church of Christ. This man who was the CEO of a clothing manufacturing company began to preach off and on in order to help this church get started. While they were there, he realized that there were a lot of older people in Nashville whose family had moved off or perhaps didn't have the means to take care of them. So he also gave the money to start what Chapel Avenue did, a home for the aged. By the way, I do think it's just kind of a little funny connection to me is the fact that our own Steve Flatt was a, is a minister, uh, works for National Healthcare Corporation, and was president of Lipscomb. That's kind of a nice little correlation there. And uh, Steve, you're at West Campus, and I'm just reminding you, know, that Comer was a really generous giver. I just want you to know that as, as we make this observation. So Comer, now he's preaching at several different churches. At his factory, he routinely offered preaching services. So at lunch, he would hire preachers to come in. 
And by the way, he supported numerous preachers who didn't have financial resources. But he would hire them. People didn't have to go. But on lunch break, you could go hear good preaching. One year, he purchased 2,500 Bibles and gave them as Christmas gifts. And these were the nicest Bibles available. In the Depression, he paid $3 per Bible. That's actually a whole lot of money. But he wasn't just interested in Lipscomb University. He gave a gift of $200,000 to Fried Hardeman University, and it was that gift that enabled Fried Hardeman to become an accredited university. The man was a generous man who left an amazing legacy. If you went to Fried Hardeman University, as I did, and got an accredited college degree, You stand on the shoulders of Robert Wycliffe Comer, even if you never heard of him. If you went to Lipscomb, or if you're on the board of Lipscomb, or if you teach at Lipscomb, you stand on the shoulders of Robert Wycliffe Comer, even if you never heard of him. If you're a resident at Stones River Manor, or you have a parent who's a resident at Stones River Manor, you may not realize that Comer was one of the first men who envisioned a Christian home for the elderly. You stand on his shoulders. His giving legacy continues down to this very day. Here's a text that it reminds me of. It is, I'm borrowing it because it was originally written about Abel in the book of Hebrews, Abel the brother of Cain. Through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Well, you expected this sermon, and here it is. We're looking in two weeks at Giving Sunday, two weeks from today, at all campuses. We're asking for $4 million so we can do three things. All of them are outreach. All of them are for God's glory. Boulevard gets no glory from this. In fact, if we take glory, it'll be a shame on us. We want to build a permanent space for the West Campus. And I just make sure you know, there will be, as we give for this West Campus, there will be hundreds of people baptized into Jesus Christ. There will be weddings in that building, funerals in that building. There will be thousands of Bible lessons taught in that building. There will be entire families redeemed, marriages saved. It matters. It matters. We want to plant anywhere from two to four churches over the next five years in North America. Some of you may have noticed that two weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal did an article on the decline of churches in America and then said it was good news because all over America, there are Bible-believing churches that are being planted and popping up. We're part of that. In fact, it's really cool. If you go back and Google the article, everybody they interviewed in that article, everybody they interviewed is paying attention to North Boulevard. Ed Stetzer, he's written an article about North Boulevard. Uh, 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 Todd Wilson, the president of Exponential, Trevin Wax at, um, at, uh, at, at Lifeway, all of them are paying attention to what we're doing. We want to plant two to four new churches in the U.S., and then we want to join 16 disciple-making movements in 10 different nations. And I just make sure you know, we've already planted 25 churches with this last one. Already planted 25 churches, probably more. That was my most recent number. So on March the 22nd, God willing, in two weeks, we're asking you to make a legacy gift. I want to define a legacy gift. A legacy gift is a gift for the future. So as we walk through the book of Acts, and I'm going to get to the text of Acts, 
God willing, in three weeks, we're going to start and we're going to work through it like we did Matthew, verse by verse. I hope you like that. I'm going to try to apply it to our lives so that it's a real encouraging study. But we wanted to ask two questions. Do you want to study Acts or do you want to live it? I'm going to get to the second question a little bit later in the sermon. But let me just make sure that we understand that in the book of Acts, one reason why the church went from 3,000 on the day of Pentecost to 30 million 250 years later is because the people there left a legacy. They gave legacy gifts. A legacy is an extraordinary gift that's given from one generation to the next. Let me say this. Every week, you guys at North Boulevard, the average right now, I think, is last time I looked, it was 71000 something, maybe, maybe pushing $72,000 per week. Much of that goes for maintenance. A big part of that goes to payroll. Uh, uh, but a lot of it also goes to maintaining. We have, we have several structures, so uh, I think the, uh, the lease is $5,000 for you guys at Smyrna Laverne, $5,000 a month. At uh, the West Campus, it's $800 a week in order to lease the property that we're leasing. At uh, the East Campus, uh, even the electric bill, you would be surprised at how big it is, and that's after it's been pared back quite a bit. It's just expensive to maintain a big operation like this. What we're asking for in two weeks is a legacy gift. It's different. A legacy gift is looking down the road and asking the question, what can I give my children? What can I give my grandchildren? What can I give to people far, far away who may never otherwise get a chance to hear the message of Jesus? That's what we're talking about. And I want you to know the early church gave at legacy levels. That's why the Christian religion exploded. They gave at legacy levels. Here it is in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, but we could almost pick any chapter from the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts, and you'll see something like this. Listen to it. It is a summary statement. We get summary statements in the book of Acts where, so Luke will tell a story in Acts, and then he'll stop and summarize. Then he'll tell another story and stop and summarize. Here's one of the summaries. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was his own. They shared everything they had. By the way, the happiest, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I have to be careful what I say sometimes, but <laughs> when I was leaving Overland Park, by the way, I love Overland Park. I still love Overland Park, and I think they love me, but I jokingly said they had a going away party when I came back to North Boulevard, and they never looked so happy in their lives, and I just got up and said, you know, this is the happiest I ever saw y'all, my going away party. So anyway, that was a joke, and obviously it wasn't that funny because nobody at East Campus is laughing. It's probably the lack of a handshake that's probably messed us all up. The happiest I've ever seen North Boulevard was seven years ago when you gave to the 2020 Vision. I don't know if you remember that. That was the happiest I've ever seen you. And that's really kind of an irony because it was also the most sacrificial moment of many of your lives. There's something about giving that brings great joy. So these early believers were one in heart and mind. Nobody claimed their possessions were their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, this is Barnabas, by the way, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want you to see these guys were changing the world because they were giving at legacy levels, extraordinary gifts for the future. 
And I also want to make sure that we understand, especially those of you who are my age and younger, 59 and younger. Let me, I'm saying this with all kinds of happiness and joy and giddiness and all that. But I also want to make sure I talk straight for just a second. Some of us who are my age and younger are totally oblivious to the sacrifices those who are older than I am have made so that we can enjoy what we enjoy. I just don't know that we know it. I do believe the generation older than I was a much more generous generation than the generation I'm in and the one younger than I. I don't know that we understand it. We have older members here who give a tenth. They tithe every Sunday. I'm not sure some of our younger members even know there's such a thing as a tithe. I'm not knocking you. Please don't take it that way. Let me just talk straight for a minute. We have about 425 families at North Boulevard who write a check or give online every week. Those families give $68,000 out of the $72,000 that we make. There are 1,300 family units at North Boulevard, which means that somewhere in the vicinity of, let's be conservative, 700 families are giving $3,000 a week. That means 425 families are giving 95% of the money, and 700 families are giving the other 5%. What that tells me is that a lot of us just don't realize, if I pull up to the table to eat the meal, I need to bring a dish. It's not fair that I should depend upon the older generation to keep giving every year, year in and year out, while I just enjoy the fruits of their sacrificial giving. There you go. That's my lecture. But I want to make sure you know we stand on the shoulders of giants. This is Talbert Kennedy. He was the preaching minister at the Main Street, now East Main Street, Church of Christ. In 1944, this guy got a dream. He had a vision. It wasn't a 2020 vision, but it was similar. He got a vision. Let's go one mile down the road, down East Main, and let's start a new church. Let's plant the church next to the university. It was 1944. It was the middle of the war. Many of them had come out of the Depression. It was a risky thing. You could say it was really a dumb thing to do. One mile down the road, what about our members? Talbert Kennedy persuaded the elders, let's give them $10,000 and send them down and start a new church one mile away. You know what church they started, by the way? North Boulevard Church of Christ. That's how we got started. This man, by the way, left before North Boulevard was ever started. He, He moved away. He took a job teaching at Washington State University where he became one of the pioneer civil rights leaders in America. That's the shoulders we stand on. By the way, someday somebody write a book on this guy. Michael Strickland, if you're out there, write a book on this guy. If he had not had that vision, we wouldn't be sitting here. You would not be sitting where you're sitting, Smyrna Laverne. Wes, you wouldn't be sitting there if this guy didn't say, let's make a sacrifice for the kingdom. The very first day North Boulevard ever met, this photograph was taken. There are a lot of guys in this photograph that some of you will recognize. There's one I just want to point out, Dick Palmer here. Dick Palmer was serving on a ship in second war, during the Second World War when he got his letter in 1944, we're about to plant a church, we need you to send $1,000. May not sound like a lot, but if you're a boy on a ship fighting the Japanese, fighting for your life, and you get a letter, we need $1,000, which in today's money, I don't know what that is, 50000 somebody knows, 20000 100000 whatever it is. You know what his response was? He wrote a check and he sent it. Everything we do at North Boulevard stands on the shoulders of giants like that.
This is one of my favorite photographs. Hoyt Smith was one of the first elders of North Boulevard. He was a charter elder. He worked in a cotton gin. And he made it a point, he told me one time, I made it a point, I tithe every Sunday, whether I have the money or not, God, I give God my money first. This is Jim Young sitting next to him. Jim was also an elder at North Boulevard. Jim Young told me one time when they moved, so when North Boulevard first started in 47, we were in a barn that had been re, uh, reconstituted by, as a church by the Methodists. They sold it to North Boulevard. A few years later, we built the building over on Tennessee Boulevard. Jim Young helped pay for this. You know what he was? So again, everybody older than I am, when I say this, you'll get it. He was a milkman. Everybody younger than I am, you probably don't even know what that is. Think about that. Sean, do you know what a milkman is? You probably read it in the history books, didn't you? Yeah. Jim Young used to put a bottle of milk on people's front porch every day, and then you would pay your bill at the end of the week. He told me the amount that he pledged to the new building. I wish I could tell you what it was. I can't remember. All I can remember is when he told me, he said, I was a nervous wreck. I had no idea that I could deliver, whether I could deliver that much milk. In 1994, we were landlocked over on Tennessee Boulevard. We had four, I think, Charlie, four and a quarter acres, something like that. I don't know, maybe it was less than five acres. Historic zone. We couldn't expand. We couldn't build. We were busting at the seams. We had a member who finally broke the log jam and said, I'm going to give you 17 acres. The 17 acres that East Campus is meeting on right now was donated by somebody who helped us break a log jam. And then the leadership appointed four people to help do this. Dr. Joe Knight, there's a street named after him over at the hospital area now. Uh, he's passed away. He and Bob Webb raised the money, led the campaign to raise the money. By the way, here's a surprise. No bank would loan North Boulevard money at first. Which, by the way, come on. Have you not noticed North Boulevard? Anyway, nobody would loan us any money. I met with these guys every week, and we strategized how we're going to raise enough money to build the building, which wasn't all that much back then. Mayor Ernest Burgess, who wasn't mayor at the time, and Merv Wittenberg were overseeing the project. Merv Wittenberg, who works, works for National Health Care, was here every single day of his life for a year, gave it all to us to help us build the building that stands now at East Campus. Merv Wittenberg, may it be a blessing to you forever. The number of people whose lives have been changed in this building that you sacrificed for. I just want to make sure you all know it didn't come out of heaven. People actually gave to it. They sacrificed for it. They reached deep in their pocket. They went without so that generations, legacy people could have something. I just want to make sure everybody knows that, especially those of us who are younger and may not recognize it. And I actually got Ann's permission to tell this. I guess one of my legendary heroes of all time is this man, Tom Beatty. I'll, I probably shouldn't even do this. I won't be able to get through it. Tom Beatty repaired typewriters. He served his country in Korea. He fought in Korea. He was there in the worst of times, the bitter cold. When he came back, he opened a typewriter business and he ran cattle. But let me say this. If you've been a product of RFC, Raiders for Christ, you can thank Tom Beatty. You have no idea how many thousands of dollars he gave RFC. If you're a student or you've graduated or you teach from Middle Tennessee Christian School, you can thank Tom and Ann Beatty. No telling how many hundreds of thousands of dollars and sweat equity they put into Middle Tennessee Christian School. If you have someone who's been blessed by Stones River Manor, thank these guys. They have given thousands and thousands of dollars 
And if you're a member at North Boulevard, you stand on the shoulders of men like this who gave hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make North Boulevard what it is. The reason I want to share this is because I just don't know if we all realize none of what we have came without somebody saying, I'm in the game. When we did the 2020 vision, people gave land. We had, uh, we had this one. This is Ellie Stevens. Ellie Stevens did a bake sale and gave away cookies, uh, sold cookies, and then gave the money to North Boulevard. We received stock. I mean, all kinds of stock. People giving stock to North Boulevard. It was sold. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stock were given. Actually, this is Shannon Watson. Shannon Watson painted pictures and sold the pictures and then gave the money to North Boulevard. By the way, we picked up two gifts that we never got rid of. <laughs> They're still here at North Boulevard, so let me just, at the risk of you thinking I'm just selling something, if you want a Tim Tebow Gators helmet, call the office. We got two of them still sitting here. Whoever offers the most can have them. We literally, on the day that we took up money, we literally had two different families gave their wedding rings for the 2020 vision. And I want to tell you, it was the happiest day in North Boulevard's life. We had one woman who gave me, she came, I don't know what anybody gives, by the way. And if you don't tell me, I don't know. And I make it a point, to, I tell everybody, I don't want to know, don't tell me. I, it's none of my business. But we, I had a woman come up to me, she had a $9,000 ring, and she said, it will serve the Lord better than it serves my finger. She gave it to North Boulevard. And she was so happy to be able to give at a sacrificial level. This is what we're asking in order for us to get $4 million, we need about six families to give $100,000. It'd be awesome if somebody who has some old wealth just says, here, I can beat that. We need about six families to give 75. We need eight families to give 50. You can see the math. It's all in the book. We've got a booklet available. I want to make sure you understand that. So here's what Julie and I have committed to. Julie and I have committed to double our weekly contribution for the next three years. We're going to double our weekly contribution for three years. Um, we may do more, but that's where we are right now. You know, when we did the 2020 plan, there was a family that wanted to give $25,000, and they sat down, they told me, so I have their permission to share this. I won't say who it is. They didn't have $25,000. They said, we think we can figure it out. Look what they did. They sold some collectibles and got $2,500. They decided to eat beans one night a week and not go out instead, and that saved them $2,600. They deferred buying a new car an extra year. By the way, Winston Sloat, whose daughters are here, he had an old, y'all remember that old car he had? Uh, I, can't get, I can't remember what it was. An old car, he was getting ready to sell it. And when we moved the first time, Winston said, oh, I'll just drive that car another couple years and give the money to the Lord instead. That's what this family did. They spent one vacation at home and gave the $2,000 instead. They cashed in an investment for $10,000. They trusted God for an additional $4,300. And that family gave $25,000, a working family, they really didn't have it. What I'm trying to suggest is this campaign gives you the opportunity to make a legacy gift like others have done for us. You want a few more ideas? I heard some really cool stories from our senior children's minister, Amy Sane, and our senior youth minister, David Skidmore. So I asked Amy if she would come share one or two of the stories from the children's ministry about some of the things that they've been doing there. So, Amy, as you're coming up, come on up. I, I'm going to show you this. They've also got these wristbands that I'm wearing. 
that just all the children have access to this vision. We're about here, near and far. Amy, you got a microphone? Yes. I'm just going to get out of your way. Tell them some of this cool stuff. Yeah, come that's great. Fish. Okay, y'all want to go ahead and come right on over up? There. Um, well, within the children's ministry, we really focus strong on the here, near, and far, um, mainly really strongly on the here for the fact of for our kids, it's um, the tangible, it's very tangible to buy into a building and understand that we're building something and that we've got our. Um, We've got a lot of families that we know that go to the West Campus and whatnot. You need this? Oh. Okay. So what we did is um, on the very beginning in January, we did, you can look up here, we passed out little jars of dirt from the actual West Campus for our kids to take those jars of dirt, take them, put them somewhere in their room, and pray over those jars of dirt. We also, how do I swap it? Hit the middle button. Okay. Oh, I went too far. Okay. Then we also made a bunch of um, posters with the, the rendering of the West Campus building. And every morning and Wednesday night before we go to class, we try to on Wednesday night, but we go up and we try to pray over those posters. And um, that's been a real, real sweet thing. The kids have responded really sweet with that. And then... Um, Anyway, I wanted to say um, it just has been just a real sweet, sweet thing. And the kids also have been writing notes and signing their names to that poster. And when this is all over, we'll go ahead and give it to the West Campus so that they can um, see that we've been praying over that. And the kids have responded wonderfully. The other thing we've done is David was talking about the here, near, and far bracelets. The whole idea behind that was is I wanted our kids and parents that whenever they wore these bracelets and looked down, whatever word that was showing, whether it be far, that they'd be praying for what's happening over in Africa and what we're going to do there. And for here, obviously, West Campus and the discipling here in town. And then, of course, near for um, what we're doing, hopefully, in America, planting more churches. So um, I wanted to introduce you to this one little friend of mine. Come on up. Well, I'll, I'll bring you over here. So um, you say your name. Hannah Kate. This is Hannah Kate Thompson, Robin Lindy Thompson, or her parents. And Hannah Kate, on the day that I handed out um, these wristbands, grabbed a fistful of them, much, much to her mom, did not want her to. She didn't know why she took so many of them. But Hannah Kate said, I want to give them to some of my friends at school. And so um, she did, and I found out a few weeks later, I asked her about it. And Hannah Kate, you want to tell everybody what you did with this? I made a prayer group at my school. She made a prayer group at her school, and I did not, I mean, this didn't even cross my mind to have the kids do something like this. But Hannah Kate took them, went to her, you correct me if I'm wrong, went to her friends at school, um, handed them out to her, told them about our New Day vision, and they meet. Tell us when you meet to pray. Every Thursday at recess outside. So when they go out for recess, and when I asked her about it, she said, well, when it's not raining, they go out for recess. And um, they pray before school. i got to turn it. They pray at the beginning of recess. Can you all see her up there? One more. Okay, sorry. Okay, I see it's this one. Um, Anyway, this is her friends playing on the playground before they play, which I think is precious. And um, they also have started a little, can you see the notebook on there? They have, they keep prayer requests and pray before. So to me, that was so um, special that Hannah Kate decided to do that. Her mom and dad did not talk to her about it. I never said anything about it. That was all on her, which what I love about that is that's what I think the New Day vision has done. There, it's like started a fire within our kids and Hannah Kate was a good example of that. So super proud of her for it. So yeah, give her a hand. I just thought it was great. And she did not brag about that at all. It was just the sweetest of spirits. And since David is talking about the kids giving, um, Hannah Kate had said, she said, I want to tell everybody what I'm giving. So Hannah Kate does chores. You have allowance. Is that correct? And how much did you decide you wanted to give to the New Day Vision? 
$255. Yeah, so she's going to give $255, which is a quite a bit of money. So I was very impressed. Um, so good job for that. And then I wanted to, we've been talking more about um, just our kids giving. What are ways that they can give? When he showed about Ellie Shirley giving, or Ellie Stevens giving her um, cookies, we've been talking about that with the kids. I know when we had the 2020 vision, we had a lot of kids do lemonade stands and different things. But I found out, this is my friend. You want to say your name? My name is Fischl. This is Fisher Williams. Wyatt and Julie Williams are his parents. And Fisher's family, they breed dogs. And he told us last week that he is going on. They, they, he, you help your mom breed the dogs, right? You clean up after them and whatnot, right? Yes, okay. So, um, and then for every dog they sell, he gets $10. And so they have three puppies that they're selling. And he's decided, what are you deciding? What are you doing? I'm going to give $10 to the New Day Vision. Okay, so he's given 10 to the New Day Vision, and then the other half, sorry, David, what are you doing, what are you doing for the 20 I'm going to use it for Legos. Legos. So <laughs> he's getting some Legos. You can't blame him, but I love the fact that he was like, I think I'll give 10 of it to the New Day Vision, which I thought was precious. Okay, good job, Fisher. And then lastly, sweet Maddie. Okay, you want to say, wait, come here, come here. You want to say? I don't what to say. Okay, say, say what's your name? My name is Maddie. Matt, Matt, what's your last name? Hatton. This is Maddie Hatton. This is uh, Paul and Heather Hatton's little girl, granddaughter of Nancy and Paul Hatton, and great-granddaughter of Joe and Winston Sloot, which you just mentioned. And Maddie, her mom and I were talking about it, and her, she is, how old are you, Maddie? Four. And Maddie has decided she is going to give how much? Four money. Four money, four dollars, four dollars for the New Day Vision, which I thought was so precious. But she had it in her piggy bank, and her, she and her mom were talking about what to do and how to give. And so she said she had four dollars to give. So, anyway, what I have loved, she wants to say more. What I have loved about this is, um, for me, I was here when we did the 2020 Vision, and I'm seeing a lot of the teens that I think that are about to come up on stage. Um, who were a part of this when they were younger and how the 2020 vision impacted their lives and um, the kids that they are now. I mean, there's so much beautiful blessings that have come out of that. And this is what I see for this. These kids are seeing that, um, and they will not, they'll, they'll learn, they'll grow up knowing that um, this New Day vision is a part of their new future. Um, so I'm super, super excited about it. So there you go. That's it. That's good. You give us a skip. Good job, guys. Aren't they great? Oh, I also asked Skid. Matt, if Maddie's going to stay up. Tell, tell us what you guys are doing, Skid. Come on, we're going. You going to stay up here? You're not coming. Yeah, we're going down. <laughs> you can lead a song. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks, guys. So, I don't need a remote. So I've got uh, I've got Chandler here with me, and Chandler, um, there's one miracle in the Gospels that is recorded in all four Gospels. It was important enough that all four Gospel writers chose to include it. And it was the feeding of the 5,000. Now, there was probably more than 5,000 people there. They just counted the men. So there's a little boy that Andrew brings to, to Jesus and says, I don't know how we're going to feed all these people, but, but here's this kid, and he's got a very little amount. When it came time for us to think about what to do with our students, uh, so Chandler, would you show us about how much money do most teens feel like they have when they reach in their pocket? Do they feel like they have to contribute to uh, any kind of cause? Let's step up here so we can make sure we get that. He reaches in his pocket, and, uh, and here's the amount that most students will feel like they have to contribute. And they're like, I just don't, I barely make enough money to put gas in my car or to go and get ice cream or do, you know, see a movie. So here's what we challenged our students to do. We've got about 350 active students in the NBYG here at the East Campus, and we challenged them 
to, to do this. You got another pocket. What's in that other pocket there? We asked them to take their age. In this case, Chandler is 15 years old. So he said, what if you took your age and you just took that zero that you feel like I don't have any to give and put that beside your age and let that be a commitment? That's the most unique way to hold that. That's a great job. Uh, and you, you took his, his age, which is 15, and it suddenly becomes uh, $150. Now, some students have said, yeah, I can do that this year. Some students have said, I can do that for the next three years, or I can spread this out over three years, or I'll try to uh, meet this goal for the next three years. But we asked several students, who wants to be a part of this? Now, more volunteer that could come up here this morning, but several of them, come on up, guys, and, and fill up the stage for just a moment. Not all these students are 15. Some of them are 13. Some of them are 18 and other ages. But we said, let's just try to see how many of our students, come on up, Blake, and some of our youth ministry team as well, how many of our students and team and even parents could take their age and add a zero to it and see what God can do to it. Now, I'm going uh, to go all Ross Perot on us here real quick. That's a reference that only about 80 people in the room will get. But um, we tried to figure this out, and here's what we got. So if we have 350 students in the room, and they're each going to be giving um, their A, their, uh, let's say the average age is 15, and so they're giving $150 to that, then the, the total there reaches $52,500, and that's over one year. If just 350 at an average age of 15 say, we're going to be able to do this. I've got one other math equation I'll come to in just a minute. But first of all, several of these students, I won't get to all of them in this service, but several of them said, this is how I'm going to raise this money. Chandler, how did you tell me you were going to raise the money? Um, I'm going to mow lawns. Okay, all right. So you got him right here. Look his name up in the, in the database and give him a call and help him do that. Um, I loved Eli's response. Eli, you tell me, you said, okay, I'm, how old are you, Eli? 17. Okay, so he's going to try to raise $170, and I said, what's the plan to do that? I'm going to work an extra hour every Monday. Work an extra hour every Monday. Really, really clever. All right, so uh, you got a job. Uh, where, what, how are you going to raise the money, Clark? Uh, I have a job uh, working uh, at a farm for a friend of mine, and um, I'm just going to save a little bit every time I get paid. Okay, awesome. And tell, wh why is it that you're excited about giving to this particular vision? I'm so excited for this vision because um, I grew up with this vision, um, when I was really young, I watched when they changed the numbers to see how much we had raised for the 2020 vision, and um, I didn't really participate, but now since I'm older, I feel like it's important to participate and give more to the church. Awesome. Landon, you said that there was a reason why you wanted to give, and I love the reason. You talked about people that did not have a church. Say a little bit more about that. Um, I feel like I'm blessed to have this church and that other people around the world or just right in this state don't have the same privileges as me, and I feel I can give as little as $140. Okay, awesome. Um, so, uh, Molly, you told me that you, how old are you, Molly? 16. All right, 16. So she says, to raise my $160, what are you going to try to do? Um, I'm painting murals in the Route 56 hallway. Okay, painting some murals, and you're going to give some of that money. And why are you excited about this vision? Yeah, so um, I try to live by the idea that if I truly believe the gospel, which I do, um, why wouldn't I want to share it with everybody that I know? That's amazing. Awesome. All right, Hope, so um, how old are you, Hope? 18. All right, so Hope's going to try to raise $180. Uh, and how are you going to try to raise that money, Hope? Um, by serving at Sunshine School Tuesdays and Thursdays and donating all the money towards that. Awesome. We're going to get to some of the others of you uh, in, the, uh, in the second service. 
But here's what I want to do. Hey, Clark, I need the board one more time. So let's now say that each of these folks show up with a, a sack lunch because these dollar amounts are not, you know, ginormous when you just look at them individually. When you add them up, they, they contribute quite a bit, especially if that was given over three years uh, or that amount's given each, of the, each year over the next three years. It's an amazing amount of money. But here's the bigger one. So let's now take that we have um, 350 students, and let's imagine that each one of you brings that little offering, and God uses that to bless 15,000 people, which is about the number that might have been, that's a probably a conservative number, men, women, and children. The one miracle that Jesus, that is recorded in all four Gospels, the only miracle, I think, that is recorded in all four is this miracle, because God uh, says you can take something amazingly small and he says, watch what I do with it. It's this number that really impressed me. And it was just this morning I woke up and I had this number kind of in my head. But when I woke up, it was like the Spirit of God said, just do the math on the people. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And I just kept hearing that, do the math. So I got here and I added it up. 350 people blessing 15,000 people. 5,250,000 people would be blessed if 350 of our students gave a small amount and that was used to bless even close to the amount that that little boy's lunch was. So imagine right now one of these people is somewhere in the world having no idea of a gospel message. They have no idea that because Eli is going to work one extra hour on Mondays that that money's going to go in that money finds its way into a Bible that is given to somebody in a country that Eli will probably never visit. But I really believe that in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to stand and watch a huge crowd of people and somebody makes their way through the crowd and they say, where is he, where is he, where is he? It was you. It was you. A little girl comes up and she comes and she finds hope and she says, you work Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Jesus just told me that it was you that worked those two hours that gave that money to bring that person into our village that taught us about Jesus, and it was you. And I'm going to spend a lot of eternity just getting to spend time with you as we praise God together. So again, just, just begin to do the math. I'm really proud of these students, really honored to be able to serve uh, alongside them because they just encourage me every single day. And I'm so blessed by the children. And these students came a part of a children's ministry that taught them to be like this. And then we hope to send them off into a world where we can reach possibly this many more people or more. God bless you guys. Great job. Y'all can have a seat. That's even more encouraging than I expected. Okay, where, whatever campus you are attending, these are available. This is a pledge card. I don't want you to fill it out today. I'd like to ask you if you'll take the pledge card home and for the next two weeks, ask the second question. Lord, what are you asking me to do? Take the pledge card home. For the next two weeks, just pray, Lord, what are you asking me to do? This really is our chance to leave a legacy. It's our chance to do this text. Through faith, though we may die, still we speak. So those storms that rumbled through Nashville and especially Cookville, causing so much damage on Monday night, um, 
you're going to want to give to that through North Boulevard, and we're going to give you a chance to do that. We actually, um, even though we're doing this fundraiser, we think we should do another one too. If you don't want to give, it's okay, but uh, we're not going to do it today. We're, uh, Joe Roberts and um, the, the leaders of the deacons are putting together a team. We're going to go with, uh, we're going to give you a chance to give. We'll give you a chance to give big, and also boots on the ground. We want to go help these folks. They've asked, give them two weeks to let the emergency people sort of clear out, and then that second wave is when North Boulevard's gonna join in. But I do wanna tell you something really interesting. Remember this story about Robert Wycliffe Comer? In 1936, 75 years ago, Comer established a trust fund for Churches of Christ in the states of Tennessee and Kentucky. And he said that he wanted the fund, a percentage of the fund, to go to his direct descendants, his first-generation descendants, and then after that, the money could be released. Well, the last direct descendant died a couple of years ago. Believe it or not, the Comer Trust Fund is now worth $36 million. And every church of Christ, that's a cappella, in the states of Tennessee and Kentucky, have been sent a check for their share of the Comer Trust Fund. Monday, a couple of hours before the storms blew through Middle Tennessee, we received a check at North Boulevard for $15,000 from the Comer Trust Fund for just being a church. Wednesday night as the elders were talking, we were all kind of kicking around, you know, really could put that towards this fundraiser. But we actually thought, you know, maybe God gave this in response to these storms. And so, um, I think we've already sent $15,000 from the Comer Trust Fund. We just passed it through North Boulevard, sent it to Disaster Relief to be a first response from North Boulevard. And think about it, 75 years after he died, he still speaks. Robert Wycliffe Comer. Two weeks we get our chance to leave a legacy. Go home and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then in two weeks, let's see what God does with it. If I can be a personal encouragement to you or any of the ministers at the campuses, tell us how. Let's stand up and let's sing.